or you know like Robbie Keane we buy and then six months later sell him back for like a cut rate deal you know um, Aspis we're loaning out because no one just no one will buy him suddenly <laughs> you know it's, it's just great shit Andy Carroll of course you know no one wanted to pay anything for Andy Carroll well obviously oh me so it's it's what it is so i gotta ask you do you do you feel worse after losing to real three nil or beating qpr three two i mean the only i mean apparently now i haven't gotten to watch the match yet you know so Uh i'm kind of going on what i heard today um I mean, apparently we played actually a pretty damn good second half, and we we got knocked by the woodwork a couple of times. Um, apparently, we weren't quite as bad as three nil sounded. Uh huh. But I don't know. I just I don't know, man. <laughs> I I don't know what to think right now. It's like I just want to sit here, and the only thing I can think of is you know. Last year before Christmas, we weren't great, mm-hmm. you know. And right now, I mean, I mean, I, I, I believe as a Liverpool fan, we have had a horrendous start to the season. Correct? More or less. Yeah. We're in. We're tied for fourth. True. I mean, so, I mean, we're literally on goal differential right now, not in a Champions League spot in the league. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. And and we have been horrible, and we have not had Sturridge. Um, and Minule is our goalkeeper. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what to think because yes, it sucks. But once you actually look at it, it's like, I mean, I, I think honestly, we're just like a victim of last year's success so much. That's true. And also because I mean, some of these have been high profile and they've been weird and, I don't know, but I'm I'm not overly optimistic about uh not overly optimistic about getting out of the uh, group stage right this moment. Well, we will we will talk more about your optimism for and hopefully hopefully because let's face it, I sort of predicted you'd have a good run in Europe this year that we will hopefully come true on episode 25 of the all-new sports show the podcast uh it's gonna be one that that dampens the spirit early but news news coming just a little bit ago a couple hours oh that might liven up the spirits and in, in, in the other world of football but we'll have to check on that later uh it's gonna be a big day on the all-new sports show here i am edward green Joined, as always, by Wes Bradshaw and producer Dez. Uh, We have a lot of soccer to talk to you about. Uh, The Premier League is back, and it was another exciting weekend. We are full 8.38s through now, over 20%. And so we are going to be bringing you all the results from this weekend and, of course, setting you up for next. We, of course, have the champions, Mm. the champions, and some teams playing like champions. You know, I almost texted you yesterday. I almost texted you yesterday, man, after Chelsea and Bairns' performances, yeah, I, I almost expect Real to kind of go off. And for half, they they sort of did. But we'll talk more about that <laughs> later, of course. Uh, we'll also get you a very, 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 very 
brief Europa League preview <laughs> for this Thursday. Um, we'll also uh, be talking a little World Series, uh, college football, and then, of course, we'll hit the zeitgeist. Some big stories today, uh, of course, one coming out of Portland, uh, and then, of course, the tragedy that is happening in Ottawa right now with uh, many, many deaths right now, unfortunately, including a 24-year-old uh, military serviceman in Canada who has mm. lost his life. But we'll talk more about that later. Of course, we'll get you a dumb NFL story just to perk your spirits back up a little bit. We'll have the watch and so, 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 so raw. But first, Wes, it's back. The Premier League is back. And not only that, but it is a Champions League week. Where would you like to start, my good man? Would you like to start in the Champions League or the Premier League? Do you want to start? Do you want to talk about a Liverpool win or do you want to talk about a Liverpool loss? Let's start low so I can somewhat bring myself back up before, you know. All righty, let's go to uh, – you, you should get one of those new Guinnesses that the men and Blazers were talking about on the podcast this week from 1792 that apparently can be drunk from a champagne flute. No, no. I need to go find some old bottle that my great-granddad had buried in the yard and – Little Washington and take about three shots off of that. That's what the only thing that'll cool my nerves right now. Ah, uh, are you working on your third can of beer? Does whiskey count as beer? I love the Simpsons. Unfortunately, I'm on call, so I'm I'm working on nothing more than than some good old Piggly Wiggly Orange Pico sweet tea. Oh, fantastic! I love the sweet tea. Hopefully, they'll sponsor us. We are going to head into the Champions League now, going group by group, uh, one and a couple groups. Getting a little nuts, as well as uh, those funny Germans, those funny Germans that are, they're just qualifying for the knockout stage all over the place. It's so funny for the Germans right now. But we are going to start in Group A, uh, a group that may be a few surprises right now. Currently, after today's round, we are now halfway through Champions League group stage. Olympiacos, Atletico Madrid tied atop with six points each. Juventus. And Malmo FF currently on the bottom with three. And right now, after today's matches, big matches, big win, especially for Atletico Madrid. 5-0 over Malmo FF. Goals by Mandzukic, Griezmann, Godin, and others lead to a 5-0 drubbing at Vicente Calderon in Madrid. And on the other side, over in Greece, Wes, Olympiacos 1, Juventus 0. In the 36th minute, it is a Patim Kasimi goal. Very Greek name. Uh, who gives Olympiakos their lone score. But as usual for the Greeks, it's just enough to secure three points. And now, Wes, what, what are we to make of this group that just last, in the last stage, everybody was at three points? Um, it's, it's typical European craziness. Um, suddenly, what do we think about Juventus? Very true. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering that today. Um, you know, losing at home is one thing. Going on the road, or I'm sorry, losing on the road, you know, it's ugh. it's just your Juventus. That's a match you're supposed to go win. Um, obviously, does not count them out of anything, mm-hmm. but is definitely going to make their lives harder going forward. Absolutely, and since a 2-0 win at Malmo FF where Carlos Tevez put two in, no goals for Juve in group stage play. Very disconcerting, although now Atletico Madrid 
After losing 3-2 also at Olympiacos, they of course come up with a big win against Juve 1-0 and then 5-0 against Malmo. Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone sort of riding the ship now. Uh, yeah, we always thought they would be fine. Um, coming off what they did last year and losing some of the guys that they lost, uh, you know, you were all, they were always going to have to adjust. So, yeah, he's got them back on track, and they are, they're just, they're ultra dangerous. Um, and as we are halfway through now, and in less than two weeks, all these teams will be playing again. Thank you, UEFA schedulers. Uh, it's also a good time to kind of check back in with our predictions. We predicted every group uh, at the beginning of this whole thing. Right now, uh, in Group A, we both had the same standings. Uh, Madrid winning the group, Juve finishing second, and Olympiacos in third. Right now, Olympiacos top the table again over Atletico. Even though Atletico has that plus-five goal differential in group stage play of the Champions League, head-to-head is first tiebreaker. So with Olympiacos, that big first win to open play, they currently sit at the top. Let's move down, Wes, Group B. Unfortunately, it's getting a little nuts. Getting a little nuts as well. Real Madrid, they've almost practically qualified. They have nine points and top the table. But now everybody else is at three points, including Liverpool, <laughs> Ludogorets Rosgrad, and FC Basel. That comes on the heels of a big win today for the tournament darlings, Ludogorets Rosgrad. They get a goal right at the death against 10 men Basel. Jordan Minev gets them through in the 92nd minute. Big win for those guys who pushed Real to the brink last time and almost almost won at Anfield in the opening set of matches. On the other side, as, sorry Wes, it is Liverpool nil, Real Madrid three, Cristiano Ronaldo just one goal now shy of tying the all-time Champions League scoring record, and it's Karim Benzema with a brace to solidify the win for Real. Um, we talked about it a little pre-pod. Uh, do you, do you want to give us a thought on uh, hashtag Anfield European Nights? Um, all right, here, here's the deal. Cause there's a lot to talk about in this match that, that has little to do with what actually happened. I just, Oh God, where do I begin with this? Okay. Hey, right now, um, Liverpool, they're definitely still feeling the effects of Daniel Sturge. Very much so. You hate, and also on top of that, the loss of Luis uh, Suarez. Mm -hmm. You hate to point it out and say it's one or two guys, but when you had an attack that was based so much on speed and quick passing and great finishing, and suddenly both of those great finishers are gone Mm -hmm. for whichever reason, either through transfer or through injury, um, you you have a fall-off. Liverpool right now are a team with a bunch of guys who are really good in the buildup and can make that killer pass, but they just are extremely short on finishers at the moment. Uh, The guy that we brought in who everyone was excited about because he was a name was Mario Balotelli. Yep. I I believe, I can't remember if I told you on the pod or if it was just one of our private conversations. I think though I said, you know, Balotelli needs to come in and score early. Yeah. Yes, you did. And and he has not. And the problem is, every match that Balotelli plays that he does not score, it becomes a bigger and bigger 
distraction to himself and the club because the English media and not to say not to say they have a vendetta on Balotelli, mainly because Balotelli has given them this ammunition in his past dealings in England. But everything that Balotelli does is put under the microscope and is super analyzed. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because these English newspapers know if they put the name Balotelli on the headline, people will buy the newspapers. Yes. He's a polarizing figure. Um and it, it it's always one of two narratives. Either it is Super Mario, you know, he's one of the best players in the world, or it's, you know, Mario is not scoring and therefore we're going to find every little thing that he's doing and we're going to blow it like completely out of proportion. Mm-hmm. I mean, at every Liverpool match that he has started or played a big role in this year, mm-hmm. what has the story been every match? Every what every time, inevitably the story has turned to oh well, what about Balotelli? He's not doing his job. He's not doing this. Well, he did this, but he didn't do this, and he's not doing this, and he's not scoring. And we'll get to it a little bit. Um, of course, in the QPR match, one of the biggest punchlines became um, QPR has now scored for Liverpool more than uh, Mario Balotelli has. <laughs> and it was very true. He has one goal, I believe now, 10 total matches. He has one goal. It was in um, it was in the Champions League. And it was it turned out to be an important goal in the Champions League at this point mm-hmm. because it basically got us our only win thus far. Yes. But but when when you know six sixteen million, of course, on the grand scale is not a huge sum of money, but it's still a good size sum of money for someone like Liverpool at this point. Oh yeah. When they go out and drop 16 million pounds on a striker, they're expecting the striker to come in and score goals. Mm-hmm. Balotelli is not scoring goals, and now he's just starting to do his little Balotelli crap, uh, such as the shirt exchange at halftime today, which, uh, you know, Balotelli, he's just he's one of those guys. Jameis Winston is one of those guys. Um you know, uh, Barry Bonds was one of those guys. Your uh, Roger Clemens was one of those guys. Your judgment is obviously so poor yep. because you either say or do something that is so stupid when the microscope is on you that people just stand back and just shake their head. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what to say for the guy. At one point, you know, does, he is he is twenty four years old. At what point? You know, we've said it with Jameis Winston and, and a couple others. At what point does he stop being just a dumb young kid? And at what point does he start have to be held accountable for all these actions? I mean, obviously he's worn out his welcome at multiple places. You know, we saw one of his last games this summer for his former club. He had previously been in the Premier League with City. You know, and he's worn out his welcome every time. I, I just, I don't know what it's going to take. And I, and I don't think he's a bad guy. I really don't. I just no, think he's, he's just, he has, he has no concept of, of his self <laughs> as other people see him. And there's a certain thing to be about said about being yourself, but you, you have to have some concept of the self and how other people perceive you. And right now, Especially when you're not scoring goals, people just see you as a moron. Well, I mean, it's exactly what you said. The concept of how people see you, you know, look, you might like to go home, 
put on your leather and have your mistress bound, gag you, and beat you with a whip. There's a book deal but for that. You do it when you go home. You don't do it when you're walking around on the street. Yeah. You know, th- there's a difference. Some things need to hold it down. Valatelli, if he had walked into the tunnel and traded shirts today, no one would have said a word. It would never have been a deal. But he stood on the field in front of Liverpool fans who, you know, obviously, in my opinion, are the best fans in the world. Mm. They are extremely observant people. They're looking at everything you're doing, and you stand on the field after they've just blitzed us in the first half, 3-0. You stand on the field and are like, hey, man, you did great. Let's trade shirts. What in the bloody hell is your problem? You can't be serious. And yet he was. But he is. He's it's, it's what he does. And... Oh, man. I, I'll tell you, literally the, the only thing that is going to save Balotelli at Liverpool at this point is he better get hot and score some goals. Because, and as you know, in professional athletics, the one thing that will always save you is performance. Absolutely. If you can play, as long as you, basically as long as you don't murder your um, your girlfriend and unborn child, Rick Ruth, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much anything else will somebody will sign you unless you're in prison. If you can play somebody somewhere will sign you and give you a chance if you can play. So if he can play, if he can start scoring goals at a good regular clip and helping Liverpool win matches, Liverpool fans, much like anyone else's fans. So all you, all you out there who say, Oh, my club wouldn't do this bullshit and you're a Spurs fan if you brought him into Spurs and he scored 18 goals for you and helped you get to the Champions League you would be singing the songs of Valatelli there's no doubting it I would never do that Emmanuel Adebayor I I don't I don't know what you're talking about Manny Bayor um if he can score he can save himself if he does not start playing better I believe I believe his worst case scenario is going to be Liverpool's going to dump him at the mid part of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if nothing else, they will move him once the summer comes and they will do it at a cut rate price. And, um, you know, it, it will be, it will be another, as we talked about earlier, it'll be another in the list of Liverpool disappointments, but a guy like that, whose personality is so big and who commands so much attention. If he's not performing, you have, Got to get rid of them at whatever cost. Certainly. And uh, I, I have another question or two, but I'm going to save it for uh, when we go back to the Premier League match. Um, so I'll finish with this. Uh, November 4th, you are heading to the Bernabeu in Madrid. Um, early thoughts? 2-1 Liverpool. Okay. Because I'm so, I'm just, you know me, Ed, I, I am a glass half full guy. I am the eternal optimist. I always, what I always say, this can get turned around as long as there's still air in the, in the, in the body, this can get turned around. We'll, we'll talk Uh, about turning something else around later. Um, Right now we're going to head over to group C. Uh, Very, very tight, very tight group especially after today's results. Right now, Bear Leverkusen uh, currently atop at six points. Monaco from France there in second with five points. Principality. 
Very true. Very, I'm sorry. I'm, I keep I keep forgetting <laughs> no, this. I'll, I'll just blow that in there. Damn French flag by their name. Uh, Zenit, St. Petersburg are in third with four points. Uh, AVB still doing good. And Benfica are currently in fourth with one point. Uh, today's results were uh, Bear Leverkusen 2, Zenit St. Petersburg nil. It was a Julio Donati goal in the 58th minute. And then Kyriakos Papadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadap
10 years ago. With a, against, <laughs> against, with a, against the Carlos and, and, and Salati team, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Continue in. Um, so big win, obviously, for Borussia. They are they are playing well in the Champions League. Maybe not so much domestically, but they are doing work here in Group D uh, and certainly look to be the favorites to advance. But but what what do we make of Arsenal? They were they were staring a second loss in the group stage in the face in the face, and then they are saved from out of nowhere. What do we make of Arsenal? They're just good enough to get through this group. Um, I mean, they're Arsenal, man. This is what they do. They uh, they find they find ways to escape. They find ways to drive their fans crazy. Um, they find ways to take it down to the wire. But Arsenal just kind of seem to have that little thing, especially especially in Europe, especially in group stages in Europe. Yes. Um, I believe I believe they hold the record for the. I believe they have the longest. Uh, Record for consecutively getting out of the group stage, I believe, is 16 years. I think you're right. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Wenger, you know, he doesn't win trophies. Excuse me, FA Cup yeah. and, and Community yeah. Shield. I'm very sorry. Please excuse me there. Um, you know, he doesn't go to Europe and win trophies, but he goes to Europe and uh, wins the all-important getting out of the group stage trophy. He's good at that. Um, and they'll, they'll find another way out again this year. They're, they're doing what they do. Well, it's, it would be hard to imagine them not getting out of this group. Uh, now five up on both Anderlecht and Galatasaray, uh, and they will be playing the next two matches at home at the Emirates. First one again against Anderlecht, and then later in November they will be hosting Dortmund uh, before having to go on the road in December to Galatasaray. So it does look like Arsenal is going to keep that streak alive. Uh, moving on to Group E with another funny German team that has already qualified for more play. Uh, Bayern Munich currently sits atop with nine points. Uh, Roma currently in second with four points. Manchester City, two points, currently in third place. CSKA Moscow, one points. Uh, CSKA Moscow and City drew 2-2 uh, yesterday. Uh, it was two goals. Uh, Aguero and James Milner scored early for City. But they were answered in the second half by Sedu Dombia and Bibras Natko penalty in the 86th minute. And City gets another disappointing draw in the Champions League. On the other side, over in Rome, a Gervinho goal in the 66th minute was all that stood between the machine that is Bayern Munich and a 7-0 drubbing. The result is Roma 1, Bayern 7. RN Robin with that dodgy flapper, West. He got goals in the 9th and 30th minute. Those were uh, bracketed around a Mario Götze goal in the 23rd. Robert Lewandowski not playing for Poland right now. He was scoring in the 25th minute. A Thomas Mueller penalty in the 36th pretty much solidified things. And then Frank Ribere and Jardin Shakiri came on and scored as well late in the second half. Obviously, Bayern very dominant. We know that. I said this after the first match. City played in a tough 1-0 loss at on the road against Bayern. Why are City crap in Europe? I don't know. I mean, they're so they're talented. You know, on paper, they're built for Europe. They've got guys who can score. They're hard-nosed defensively. 
Uh, I think I've said many times Nemanja Matic, I believe, is the best uh, holding midfielder in the world. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. And, of course, this manager is supposed to be the manager who gets them there. And you know, last year they finally got out of the group stage, just kind of got a bad draw. But I don't know. They just they have not looked good at all this year, you ask me. And really, that's in England or in Europe. I mean, yeah, they've had a game here and there, but just overall, they are not looking good right now. Yeah, very very suspect with that defense coming out late and uh, giving up those two goals. Um, I, I just I don't know what to make of them, really. I, I, I feel like they should be able to score with anybody. They're the reigning champions. Sergio Aguero is one of the most lethal strikers in the world right now, uh, converting almost uh, a quarter of his shots in the Premier League for goals. And just but they, they just get to Europe and, and they just they just fall apart. And this was a city team I think we both talked about at the beginning of all this. And frankly, you had picked to win this group that we actually expected really big things from them. And it just now they're in a dogfight to to not fall into the poison chalice that is Europa. Yeah, I hate City more and more every time I see him. Um, just because they do this kind of crap to me. Because, of course, it's not all about me. It's not about them. It's about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're screwing me. And I'm not happy with it. But uh, I just, I don't know. They're, <laughs> I, I just, you know, obviously, as a Liverpool fan right now, I have my own issues with my team. Yes. But yes. at the same time, we have not pumped over a billion dollars into transfers over the last four or five years and have world-class players at every position. Um, I just, I believe it would be absolutely maddening right now to be a Manchester City fan. You're looking at it every year. Okay, this is all we need. This is all we need. You know, this is what's going to put us over. And then just none of it comes together. Because, you know, now, as a City fan, you know, every club has a different goal for everything. Right. Everybody has right. different goals. Um, now you're Man City. You've won the Premier League twice in the last three years. Cool. That's awesome. As a Liverpool fan, I want my team to win the Premier League right now. But, you know, after you do it twice in three years, at that point your goals start to change a little bit. Now Man City wants to be seen as a world power, not just an English power. The way you become a world power, you have got to – obviously you've got to make waves in Europe. So right now you're a City fan. It's like, you know, we're not playing great league. We're probably going to finish second this year. You know, I mean, if they finish second and don't get out of the group stage, if they finish second Premier League, do not get out of the group stage in Europe, no matter what else they win, FA Cup, uh, you know, uh, Carling Capital, Company Cup, whatever we want to call it this year, um, Europa, Anything else is a complete disappointment. Because right now, you know, okay, fine, whatever. I've won the Premier League. You know, I want to go and do something big in Europe and be able to brag on a worldwide level. Because right now, I mean, any Manchester United fan, any Liverpool fan, you know, any Chelsea fan can look at City and say, huh, well, that's cute. Yeah, you're doing nice. <laughs> uh, you know, call us when you lift the cup. You know, call us when you've really done something and you lift the cup. So it's um, it's gonna be tough right now to be a city fan. 
it is really tough on them. Uh, they obviously had a big win this weekend. We'll talk about it later, but oof, rough start halfway through this Champions League. Uh, let's go over to Group F, which is very, very top-heavy right now. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain currently set atop with seven points. Barcelona just behind with six. Ajax with, in third with two points. And APOEL has just one. And it, on Tuesday, it was uh, Paris I can't talk. It was PSG <laughs> heading over to Nicosia where they got a 1-0 win. An Edinson Cavani goal in the 87 minute saw them through. And over at Camp Nou in Barcelona, it was Barcelona 3, Ajax 1. Neymar, Messi, don't call me beast, Sandro Ramirez, all scored goals for Barca as they down Ajax. Um, this is a group pretty much going as we thought. Uh, obviously, Barcelona's only loss, it was a 3-2 thriller against PSG. And uh, besides the weird AX-PSG draw, the group's pretty much going how we thought it would, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, all those who were looking for is just to get out of group and move on. They both expected to get out of the group and move on. So I don't think, yeah, obviously you'd rather win it because then you miss out on some of the other group winners. But, you know, I don't think either of them are really too worried if they don't win that group. Sure, sure. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, for all the great players in it, it's just a little anticlimactic at the moment on that one. Yeah, the the real fun for those two teams will start in the knockout round, uh, as well as potentially these next two as well. Uh, over in Group G, Chelsea... Premier League favorites, they are at the top with seven points. Uh, Schalke 04 in second with five points. Maribor in third with two points. And Sporting CP has just one. Uh, but they tried to get them all in Germany uh, yesterday as it was Schalke 04, four, Sporting CP three. Big matches. Uh, four goals for Schalke, including a 51st minute strike by Klaasian Huntelaar. Uh, was enough for the German side. And over at Stamford Bridge, Devo is really happy right now. It was Chelsea 6, Maribor 0. Things got so nuts. Uh, a Didier Drogba penalty was taken in the 23rd minute. Not their first one. Ed Nazard added his own in the 77th minute. Uh, and then a goal in the 90th for a brace for him. Uh, Chelsea, obviously, they're they're just they're doing it right now. And... Eh. Only internal Jose Mourinho, Diego Costa drama can derail this team, I believe. Oh, no doubt. And they're another team. They're just, they're on cruise control, man. I mean, <clears throat> most of the really big clubs in the world are just on cruise control right now. Obviously, Real, uh, Barca, PSG, Munich, and now Chelsea as well. They're just, they're on cruise control just waiting to get to that knockout round. And we'll see how they do. That, that knockout round could be excellent this year. Uh, over in Group H, uh, it is Porto with seven points, uh, currently topping it. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk has five. B-A-T-E Borisov uh, have three. And Atletico Bilbao, the team you finished or picked to finish first, I picked to finish second. They currently bring up the rear with just one point. And, man, they got a... A uh, big, big loss uh, to Porto this week. It was Porto 2, Bilbao 1. 
Uh, and on the other side over in Barisaw, it was B-A-T-E, Borisov, nil. Shakhtar, Donetsk, seven. Luis Adriano scores five goals for his side, <laughs> including two penalty strikes. Uh, also, they tried to give him the record for the fastest hat-trick ever in the Champions League. He scored in the 36th, 40th, and 44th minutes. But uh, a hat-trick doesn't really work like that, Guinness World Records. Uh, his first goal actually came in the 28th minute. So it was not technically really the fastest hat-trick ever. But he is the first player in Champions League history to have four goals in the first half. Just a dominating performance for Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah, and, um, you know, for all the stuff that's gone on in Donetsk this year, mm-hmm. uh, non-football related, yeah. you know, a lot of stuff in that community and that country right now, you know, I think those guys are really bearing down and they're just playing, they're playing good football right now. They really are. Um, Bilbao. Oh, Bilbao, Bilbao. What are you doing to me, guys? Um I think what's going to come back to haunt them is that BATE Borisov lost 2-1 in Barisaw. I mean, that's, you know, losing losing to Porto on the road, okay. Drawing at Shakhtar at home, okay. But but mm-hmm. that Borisov loss, that's, that's going to be the one that if they drop completely out of European competition, that's, that's the one that's going to come back to haunt them, I think. Well, um... It's for whatever reason, it's just not clicking for them. And this was a good team, is the problem. Um, sometimes you just you go into these competitions, and for whatever reason, I mean, it just it it doesn't click for you. And uh, <clears throat> Bill Bell, there's still time, but they are really, 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 really running out of uh running out of time here. Yep. So it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at the moment. And as you mentioned, Shakhtar are playing their home matches at Arena Liv instead of their regular stadium in Donetsk because of the war conditions in Eastern Ukraine. So big, big ups to them uh, for coming through even, even in very trying conditions, not even football conditions, but just humane trying conditions. Uh, well, that is a look at the Champions League. Uh, let's give you a very, 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 very quick preview of Europa League action that will probably have taken place by the time you listen to this pod. But right now, uh, of course, our English team's Tottenham Hotspur. They will be taking on uh, Asteris Tripoli, the current Group C Europa leaders, uh, in a big, big match for both those teams as Tottenham tries to advance in Europa, as well as one of our other teams, Everton, who currently top the table with four points, they will uh, be traveling to Lille, Wes. Not coming to Lille, but or not having Lille come to them. That's next time. But you, 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 you've been circling this match. You, you want to get the uh, Anfield faithful out to uh, Goodison Park and uh, and cheer on Divac Origi and obviously cheer against Everton. Well, God, right now we just. You know, we want to put a wall up so when Origi comes into Merseyside, he can't leave. <laughs> because we would love to put him at the top of that diamond right now <laughs> um, and just unleash him on the Premier League. Unfortunately, we've got a 
we've got another half a season to go before he can come. Even though there have been uh, there have been rumblings out there that Liverpool may try to pull something off and see if they can bring him uh, to Merseyside starting in January instead of maybe having to wait until bringing him in in the summer. Um, Liverpool right now, I think, um, exploring all avenues and all options, trying to get their problem solved. So, uh, but that will be a good one. I, I'm quite sure you will see some Liverpool fans somewhere in there uh, getting a look at what will be the new boy next year. I, I think uh, Liverpool fans feel about Origi uh, much like how Spurs fans feel about DeAndre Evelyn right about now. <laughs> well, <laughs> both of them could definitely come in and help their squads. So oh, certainly. Yeah, it, it, would, it would be a nice addition for both teams, I believe. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more about the Premier League that was and will be. Of course, an insane weekend got started off with a big win for Manchester City as it was Man City 4, Tottenham Hotspur 1. Also, some other tight games. Arsenal 2, Hull 2, Burnley 1, West Ham 3, Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 2, and a game that featured 10-on-10 action. Uh, Everton 3, Aston Villa 0, Newcastle 1, Leicester 0. Oh, Alan Pardew's not getting sacked in the morning. And, oh, Wes, Southampton 8, Sunderland nil. Oh, the Stadium of Light will not be very bright for the boys. On Sunday, it was QPR 2, Liverpool, Wes, 3 points. Uh, Stoke City 2, Swansea 1, former Premier League pretenders. And on Monday, Monday Night Football, West Brom, Albion 2, Manchester United 2. Uh, let us break down fairly quickly some of these matches, and we will start with. Um, we'll start with. Let's start with. Uh, no, that's not what I wanted to start with at all. Oh, let's start with. You know what? I can't. I. Let's just start with Liverpool. Let me get this. Yeah, out I couldn't find the tab, so let's just go to Liverpool three QPR two. Uh, a pair of QPR own goals does it in, including uh, Richard Dune. His uh, he's done it, Wes. He's hit his tenth own goal in the Premier League. He's he's done it. His tenth own goal uh, secures uh, the first score for Liverpool. Uh, and then it's it went back and forth after that. Eduardo Vargas in the 87th minute looked to steal a point for QPR. But then it's Philippe Coutinho, a player you have not been very high on this year. He gets a 2-1 Liverpool. Then Eduardo Vargas, just two minutes later, levels it again. And then Steven Calker, he plays for QPR, but he scores for Liverpool. Oh, it's crazy. Wes, running the gamut of emotions, I'm sure. Well, one thing about Calker, he was um, he was a uh, rumored Liverpool uh, target over the summer. So, I mean, maybe he just didn't quite <laughs> understand that he didn't get picked up and paid for. But um, big, big thanks to him putting his uh, scoring boots on and finishing that one for us. Uh, Coutinho, uh, with that one, also his performance today, his performance last few weeks, Coutinho looking to start, uh, starting to look like he's coming around. Um, Sturridge will be a big help to him when Daniel's back. He is a guy who, you know, uh, Coutinho likes to play that killer pass Mm -hmm. and you need a fast guy to run onto the end of that pass. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Bala, who we've talked about, Balotelli is not exactly the fleetest of foot. He's not a run onto the pass, make a move and score kind of guy. Uh Um, 
So Sturge coming back will be a big help for him, but also just you know, just little things that you know he he's shooting better. Um, he's he's doing a lot of things. The little things for uh, for Coutinho are starting to come around. So uh, I'm getting back high on the Coutinho horse at the moment. Um, literally end of the day, Ed, all I can say. Uh, the way the season's gone for Liverpool, we'll take three points any way we can get it. And as we talked about, you know, we'll talk about the standings. Currently, we're we're sitting in fifth, tied for fourth, and down there based on goal differential. So, man, screw it. I'll take it. I, I have two questions, and the first one actually comes from something I heard on the, uh, the Men and Blazers pod this week. I'm usually loath to listen to the Men and Blazers because I, like I like to be able to form my own opinions before our pod to an extent, not steal too much, um, and then listen to theirs later in the week. Um, but I, I did listen to them. I got bored at the gym, and they mentioned something. And I wanted you are you are a Liverpool faithful, so I, I have to ask. Does it seem like one captain, fantastic Steven Gerrard, is is he really starting to quickly lose his legs? It was brought up on the pod. I feel he's like losing. I should bring it up here with the Liverpool fan. He, I mean, he's been losing his legs. At this point, he he's becoming um he's becoming a lot like David Beckham was late in his career. And yes, that's a mank and you know whatever. But Be- Beckham Beckham's a special mank. So you know you can't hate Beckham, but so much. He's become Beckham. Beckham lost his legs, and what you also remember about Beckham when Beckham lost his legs. Beckham left England. Yep. yep. That was one of the reasons he left England, because if he wanted to prolong his career, you go to Italy, you go to Spain, you go somewhere where you have more time on the ball and the pressing is not what it is. The Premier League is an athlete's game right now. You have got to be fast. You need to be athletic. You know, veteran guile will carry you. And now Stevie G, right now where Steven Gerrard is um, – is soaring, is still playing to, to the level of Steven Gerrard. Free kicks. He's a fantastic penalty taker, which cannot be overlooked in England. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> cannot overlook someone who's Englishing and take penalties. <clears throat> he's still a magnificent leader of men. Uh, he's a fantastic captain. But right now, Stevie G, he is, he is definitely losing his legs. And until Liverpool can effectively figure out a way to um, rest slash come up with a solution for that, I just I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you, here's a crazy one. You know, Rafa Benitez said this back in the mid late 2000s. And it sounds weird, but it's almost true. You know, right now where Stevie G might do us the most good. Up top is up play, top. is playing up top as a as a second striker. I mean, you know, when you play two strikers, you can play one who's your speed guy, who's your you know take people on, do this, do that guy. I mean, Stevie G, he has the ability, he has the talents to hold up play to get in the box. He still has a fantastic shot. Mm-hmm. And as a striker, you're not going to ask him to track back nearly as much and defend. Um, if he is going to stay at Liverpool, which he will, I, I, 
you know, Stevie is obviously as loyal as anyone. He's turned down chances in the prime of his career to go to uh, Chelsea, uh, turned down a chance to go to Real Madrid. He is a Liverpool guy, obviously, through and through. He is the captain. He's, to me, the greatest Liverpool player ever. Um, if we want to truly extend his career and keep him where he is an integral part of the team, you, know, you might have to get a little crazy and do something like that. Last season, he was fantastic as a deep-line playmaker. But this year, teams have, uh, you know, teams have, they've planned for that. And they've made it tough for him. And he's just, he's not able to do that right now. So Brendan Rodgers has already shown the impetus to do something out of the box with Steven Gerrard. Let's see now if he'll have the impetus to once again make a, what some people might think is a crazy decision, um, and maybe move Steven Gerrard forward. Oh, I, th- I think the only I problem is, I mean, well, the only problem comes to where do you go from there? Yeah. Uh, Emery Chan, the youngster, I think is going to be amazing. Don't quite know if he's ready to be your everyday uh, deep lying midfielder. Um, of course, you still have Joe Allen who can yeah. play the position. Um, you know, you've still got Lucas Leva on the roster. He's slow as balls, but yeah, he's still there. Um, I just I think if if we want Stevie G to still be a big part of this, we have got to make a, a we got to make a choice and we've got to do something kind of off the wall with him. Well, you know, another thing that has been talked about is since moving back into that more uh, central defense role or central midfield role, playing back a little bit more and funneling the ball forward. Liverpool have been giving up a few more goals, but I, I tell you what. This is this has been a sticking point all year for Liverpool. Is it's the back four and it's Mignolet and it's it reared its ugly head against QPR. And I've asked you this almost seemingly every week. We've discussed the Barclays Premier League on this podcast, and and yet every time you're like, oh, we just got to ble- we got to blood in new people, we got to blood in new people, we got to blood in new people. And about two weeks ago, you I said. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say about two weeks ago you said oh, I might have one more week to use this. Is it over? Is do do we need to start worrying about this back line? I still love the wings. Those guys, they're young, but they're they're players, man. They're hungry. They're players. Um, have not heard anything about Mankio lately, but have not seen him lately for some reason. Um, it's not good when Glenn Johnson and Jose Enrique are playing. Probably. I'm just going to put yeah. It's just, it's not good. Um, I'm, I'm hoping nothing is too wrong with Mankio. Um, those two I believe in, and I believe they are just, they're your, they're your future and they're growing into their roles, but they're players. I still think that middle of defense, that middle of that defense, I still think that, um, I still think they can play together. Sako, I don't know at this point if Sako is going to be the solution. I'm still a fan of Lovren. Skirtle is, he's just, he's Skirtle at this point. You, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, I think part of our problem has been that lack of a destroyer in front of the defense. Stevie G was never a destroyer. Mm-hmm. Stevie G is a playmaker. He's a guy who, yes, we put him toward the back, but he is not a great defensive shield. Never was. 
I, I've really got high hopes for Emery Chan back there. I really do. Uh, as far as Mignolet, I am, my patience has run. <laughs> it seems like here we go. At the very front and at the very back, my patience is wearing extremely thin. <laughs> Balotelli, we've already talked about. Um, Mignolet, I just, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's tough enough. I still think he's tough enough for England and for and for uh, top European competition. He's an amazing shot stopper. He's very good at that. But as far as everything else that goes into being a top keeper, you know, I mean, today uh, Real Madrid scored a goal because off of a corner where he did not come out. If he had just come out and gotten the ball, mm-hmm. everything would have been fine. But he stayed back and he didn't come out. He's not decisive. He is not a take command kind of keeper. I mean, he's he's very good reflex reflexes. He has very good reflexes. He stops shots, but it, you know, he's one of those guys. If you have him in a in a in a PK situation, he's not bad. But Liverpool really are missing what Pepe Reina used to bring, which was a guy who he controlled the back. He, he talked a lot. He was very vocal. He was loud. He kept those guys in order. And he he helped out. He helped himself. Now, Reyna obviously laid on. He was not the same keeper he had been in the past. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Liverpool really need to look into going out and spending some coin on a, a top keeper. Um, of course, the uh, Victor Valdez. Rumors are still flying high that uh, Valdez could be on his way in on a on a free. Problem is, he's coming off a torn ACL. How great is he going to be? Mm-hmm. And also, truly, I'll say this for Victor Valdez: How great was he ever? Yeah. Um, Victor yeah. Valdez has always played for Barcelona. It's kind of you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like being the quarterback at USC back in the mid two thousands. Man, you looked really good when you were throwing to Mike Williams and Reggie Wayne and had Lindale White to hand the ball to. <laughs> you looked really good then. You know, it, it looks great when Messi's up there scoring four or five goals a game and teams are flabbergasted from the start. You can look like a great keeper. How great really has Valdez been, considering the fact that he's always been like the number three for Spain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're on the best team in the world, and but <laughs> national team, you're still just number three. What does that say for you? But we're, we're, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm really, really, really down, though, right now on Mignolet. I'm surprised. I, I thought you would have actually been not as down on Lovren. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, not as down on Mignolet and been more down on Lovren. I, I feel like Lovren has actually been a bigger disappointment for this team. I, not, well, he, I don't know that either one has actually been a disappointment, but I feel like Lovren is a bigger one. He has been disappointing. Um, and, and I don't know. I just, I, I, I seem to give Lovren, I think, a little more of the benefit of the doubt just because we've seen him be a top flight, you know, a top flight Premier League uh, central defense the defender. Uh-huh. Where Mignolet is today what Mignolet was three or four years ago. He has, I don't, I've never seen Mignolet actually get better. Right. Lovren. I just I don't I don't know why Lovren would be regressing. Um, I just I, I think if you got some better pieces around him, that Lovren would still be fine. 
So I'm, I'm not ready to give up on Lovren. I am very, 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 very close to being able to give up on Mignoletta. Our problem right now is there is no, there's no second choice right now. Brad Jones is, <laughs> I mean, Brad Jones is a, I mean, God, the guy should be in the championship if he's in England. Yeah. I mean, he's nowhere near being a Premier League keeper. And for some reason, for two years, that has been our only, that's our only backup. That just it blows me away. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Uh, well, we will be keeping track of how Liverpool does. Again, still fifth in the Barclays Premier League table. So a lot of issues, but still doing pretty well. Just, I believe, after last year's season, uh, Liverpool fans have been reborn with renewed optimism and just wanted a little bit more. Right now, let's turn to the place of some optimism, as long as they're not playing in Europe. The Etihad, where it was Man City 4 Tottenham won uh, four goals by Sergio Aguero. He scores when he wants uh, negate a Christian Eriksen goal in the 15th minute. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, Bobby Soldado, Robert Soldado with a missed penalty, which could have made the match 2-2 at one point and really, really turned this game on its head. Unfortunately, it does not happen. And once again, Spurs, while by all accounts looking much, much better than they did, as opposed to last year's thrashing at the hands of City, unfortunately do suffer another big loss that falls sees them fall to near the bottom of the upper echelon. And unfortunately, Wes, I, I don't I don't see this getting much better when we play these top teams. Um I, I am excited Obviously, I was excited with the win against Southampton. I think that Southampton, while maybe not truly the second or third best team in the Premier League, is a quality side. And I thought that was a big, big win, especially the way they were playing. However, I just I don't know if this team can compete with the Chelsea's, Man City's, and even the Liverpool's of the world still. Um, I've, I've got to agree with you right now. Pochettino... I think uh, I think Pochettino could have a Brendan Rodgers type effect at Spurs. Oh, certainly. Uh, you you got to give him a year, let him get some more of his guys in, uh, because kind of like kind of like Rodgers, he's coming in with other people's players, um, and you know he he's done an admirable job with them thus far. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, he's done an admirable job, but it, it I didn't I don't think either of us really thought this was going to be the season. Everything clicked anyway, right? Um, Soldado, wow. You want, you know, maybe, maybe the best option is just a straight up swap Soldado for Balotelli. Oh God, no. We'll get them both in the new environments and just see what they can do. God, you know what? The uh, sad part is Soldado actually looked very, very good up until the penalty. Like he, he was doing very good. His link up play is fantastic. And then I, I also, I, I also maybe question whoever's idea it was, and if it was his, you know, I, I might, I might question whose idea it was to let him take that penalty. I mean, while he's playing very well, his confidence still isn't great when it comes to actually putting the ball in the back of the net. So I don't know. Maybe put Erickson on there. You know, even God, I don't know, Dyer, Lamellas, somebody. But that said, hasn't that always been? Isn't that one of like the things with Saldado is you know he's a great penalty taker. I mean he, 
I mean, God, what, for a long time last year, that was the only way he was scoring was on the penalties. It's true. You know, we, we joked about that on our TV show. That, uh, yeah, this is the only way he can score, you know, got a penalty. All right, his turn to score then. Um, but I don't know. It's just, you know, we talked about it, Ed, when Spurs bought him a season ago, just among ourselves. I think Spurs were – Spurs had uh, had all this money in their pocket, and it was just burning a hole in them to spend it all. Yeah. And the top – the, you know, last season there were a lot of strikers available in the market. All the top strikers went somewhere else, and Spurs sat there and said, crap, we've got like $30, $35 million to spend on a striker. Let's just go get who we can get. Let's go get the best name we can get. They're like, oh, Soldado, he just had a great season in Spain. How many guys really come from Spain and turn around and are just amazing or even – you know, on par with what they were when they get to the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it doesn't happen very often. There were a lot of pundits coming in saying, you know, Soldado's a good player. I just really don't know if he fits into the Premier League. And I think that has kind of been his downfall. Yeah. It, it's a shame, and I, I feel terrible for him. Uh, I just know no, no person should be going through and what he's going through right now. And I know – Nobody feel worse than him. I mean, if there was ever a guy, you know, it, it's funny. We talk so much about Balotelli and all the crazy things he does and how he's struggling to score goals. I, I wish I wish I could give all those goals Balotelli isn't scoring and give them to Soldado because <laughs> it seems like a cliche, but right now nobody's working harder than him. Nobody's still putting in that effort. You know, no, nobody's ever going to question that from Soldado. It's just right now his 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 touch in the box is failing him and i i wish i could give him just something that said hey you know just fixed cuz i i think if that happened if if he could somehow just get that touch back i honestly think he could be one of the upper echelon players in all the premier league well i i don't i don't totally agree with you on that line um, I just I think he could be a good Premier League player. Um, I just don't think he really has it in him to be a great Premier League player. Um, I, I think uh, I think Spurs. Like I said Spurs. I really think Spurs overspent on him. Um, but you know, once again, he he was a guy you brought him in. You expect big things, and as you said, he is at least doing some small things. He is working hard. It's just you know, almost like Balotelli when the moment is there, God, it would just be nice once or twice if they would take advantage of it and hopefully get some confidence and just get some things going for them. Very, very Josie Altidore-esque. Um, right now we're going to go to one more match in the Premier League, uh, and it is Arsenal 2, Hull City 2, another very tight, tight draw for Arsenal as it is Danny Welbeck, oh, best transfer Arsene Wenger's ever made, uh, getting them the tying goal at the death uh, to complement an Alexis Sanchez goal in the 13th minute. Excuse me. Uh, those bracketed a Mohamed Diami goal in the 17th minute and an Abel Hernandez goal in the 46th. And Arsenal, again, despite dominating possession almost 2-1, to one, quite frankly, Hull just looked the better team most of the day. We talked about earlier, you know, Arsenal 
finding their little weird ways to do things. Um, Hull dominated them. I mean, Hull, yeah. Hull to, to take an American football term, Hull punched them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, they went out, they get, they played up front, they got in their face, they were physical. They were the better team, you know. But as we know, the better team does not always win the match. Very, very true. So disappointing draw, I think, for Hull. I think they'll believe they deserved all three points there uh, and just won't get it. And, of course, that's... I almost think, I almost kind of think that's a big result for Arsenal. They're, I think at this point, they're just trying to weather this injury-related storm and somehow try to find themselves in a, a an opportunity to, once again, you know, get that fourth-place trophy and uh, somehow secure another Champions League spot. Right now, currently, Arsenal 11 points behind Chelsea out of first place, but just two points out of a Champions League spot. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, um, the the line right now: Arsenal, Liverpool. We've had horrible seasons, and we're so within one game of striking distance of being back in the top four. So it's uh, it's one of those things. It, it sickens it sickens you if you hate them both. Um, it sickens you if you like them both. So. True. Uh, and you said that was the last one we'll break down in detail. Just a few more to talk about, just really, really quickly. Sure, go ahead. Um, Sunderland uh, oh. players offering refunds to fans. Yeah. Um, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, what was it? 8 nil, 8 nil, I believe, to Southampton. 8 nil. Who quietly, under everyone's radar, is sitting in a Champions League spot and... You know, number wise, maybe one of the only teams that can actually uh, be within striking distance of Chelsea. You know what? You're not wrong. Right now, just to quickly, we'll get a, a brief look at the Premier League table right now. It's uh, Chelsea at the top at 22 points, Man City five back in second, Southampton six points back. Uh, but only one behind uh, Chelsea in goal differential right now. They have the best, the second best goal differential in all the Premier League with eight, plus eight, eight mil help. Oh, you're not eight wrong. <laughs> uh, West Ham United currently in fourth place. As oh, things are getting chippy over in Kansas City. Uh, West Ham United currently in that playoff spot for Champions League with 13 points. What Liverpool just behind. Um, Manchester United in sixth place with 12 points. And in the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Uh, Sunderland still just out with eight points in 17th place. Newcastle, they're in 18th with seven. And both Burnley and QPR have just four points through eight matches. So, yeah, poor Sunderland. Who's Hunter Strickland got anybody to talk to? You know, this guy, excuse me real quick. Let me just jump right into this baseball for a second. Okay. Hunter Strickland, what do you have to say? You're the same guy who tried to fight with Bryce Harper in the uh, division series because he hit home runs off of you. Just give up your home runs or don't give up a home run. Stop being a bitch. It seems like he doesn't enjoy giving up the home runs. And I will say this. Omar Infante might have kind of pimped that one just ever so slightly. But, man, you know... When, when's the next time Omar Infante's ever going to hit a home run? Brother, it is game two of the World Series yeah. at home. Yeah. When else are you ever going to get the chance to pimp a home run when yeah. when it's legit? So are they taking Strickland out or is he, was he ejected? I, I don't know. I have the TV on mute. All I know is he was... I think he's been ejected. 
I we will Did check on the just walking them off. Okay, anyway, uh, back to what are we talking about? Soccer, sure. <laughs> what a, you you wanted to bring up a few other matches, and you were talking about Southampton and oh. how amazing they were. Well, that um, just my favorite story is how the uh, goalkeeper for Sunderland has offered to refund the yes. Oh, and is is actually pretty serious about it, and um, other players have joined in on that. I, I do not believe there will be any money coming out of their pockets at all, but um, I guess I guess a good gesture. At least those players realize, man, we really, really stunk and embarrassed ourselves the other night. Yeah, and as has been mentioned before, that's one of the longest trips in the Premier League currently. Is the trip from Sunderland to Southampton? So just. That's that's not that bad a thing to do for those fans. Well, uh, talking about maybe wanting your money back, let's talk about Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. um, a daily daily blend has taken right to the Premier League. Um, by the way, daily blend was a was a uh, early summer Liverpool target, and I really thought that would be a good one. I'd love to see daily blend playing defensive midfield for us right now. <laughs> of course. <sighs> Anyway, anyway, um, you know, just for the just for United, when it all seems like it's about to turn around and do something, you know, they have to score late to pull a draw against West. Uh, was it West Brom? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, two two on that one. Eh, I don't know. It's still coming together for United. I, I really, really am scared of the future of Man United. The man. Uh, mm. Because they are not really built well this year, mm-hmm. and they're not really playing bad football. Yeah, it's the, there's a couple teams that could be really interesting to see the next few years, and of course Chelsea, uh, another solid win against Crystal Palace. Do you who who's going to beat Chelsea this year? Um, knowing Chelsea, it'll be Hull. <laughs> <laughs> It, it obviously city could city could um if they caught them just perfectly i could see man united maybe knocking them off oh yeah and that's that's I'm actually praying, this weekend yeah i'm just i'm praying that liverpool can just pull two draws on chelsea this year just get our two points and stay the hell out of their gun sights um that's about it. I mean, other than that, I mean, there might be a shocker somewhere. I mean, really, like a Hull City or something, or a Stoke might be able, might just be able. You know, maybe you win one nil or something. Right. Do you, but, do, you th- uh, do you think City could go to Stamford Bridge and win? I don't know if they really have it in them right now. Uh huh. I just I don't know if they have it in them. This is it's a weird City team. I'll talk about it. it just. I've got kind of a weird vibe about City. I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong I at all. Really, I don't really believe. Here's the thing. I still believe they will finish second and finish second comfortably. Mm-hmm. But I just don't really feel great about them just really against Chelsea at this point. And actually, scary thing, um, Man United could probably give City some problems. That obviously being a big rivalry game. Um, I could I could see that maybe happening. Oh yeah. Um, just quick update. Uh, it does look like it was actually Salvador Perez 
talking to Hunter Strickland that caused that caused the uh, the chippiness. And uh, just this quick thing from uh, ESPN Stats and Info Twitter feed: uh, Hunter Strickland mm-hmm. has faced uh, twenty three batters this postseason and has given up five home runs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think more than half of them were to Bryce Harper. So. <laughs> Uh, just about two or three of them just a Bryce Harper. So. Maybe maybe Hunter Strickland needs needs to shut up. Um, your well, Barclays they just showed, they just showed a shot of him standing in the mm-hmm. dugout, you know, looking forlorn. So maybe he was not. Um, yeah, maybe he, he was not ejected. He was he was simply relieved, and um, it does look like some of the Kansas City fans are relieved as Kansas City is now up seven two. We'll talk about the World Series in just a quick second. I want to get you your Barclays Premier League schedule for this weekend. Uh, the day, again, start, Saturday starts off early, 7.45 Eastern. Uh, West Ham hosts Manchester City. That's going to be an interesting game for City uh, to see if they can come and get a win on the road. Uh, at 10 a.m., Liverpool, West, Hull City. Oof, that, that could be an interesting match. Not going to be easy at all. Uh, Not going to be easy at all, especially the way we're playing. Another fun one, potentially, Southampton versus Stoke. Stoke can sometimes surprise you. That'll be a 10. Uh, Sunderland looks to rebound at home against Arsenal. What better way? Uh, West Brom, Crystal Palace, and Swansea versus Leicester ends the day at 12.30. On Sunday, uh, the action continues. Burnley, Everton, 9.30 a.m. Also at 9.30, Tottenham hosts Newcastle. And at noon... Everybody needs to be watching this. Man United hosts Chelsea. Oh, Wes, that's that's going to be a that, that, can be, that can be interesting. Um, Old Trafford's going to be a hornet's nest. Oh, it's going to be rocking. And on Monday Night Football, and hopefully they'll all sting Wayne Rooney. Yes. Uh, well, he well actually this is the last game Wayne Rooney cannot play in. He'll be he'll be sitting somewhere in there. Hopefully the Hornets will uh, attack him. There you go. Not the bees on Monday, October twenty seventh at four p.m. Yes, bees. Uh, it'll bees. be QPR hosting Aston Villa. We'll see if QPR can avoid putting the ball in their own net. Well, Wes, we have been referencing it. Uh, the World Series is going on right now. Kansas City currently leads seven two as they look to even this World Series. Uh, but it did not start on a happy note. Uh, as it is reported that Game 1 of the World Series was the least watched on record. Uh, San Francisco's 7-1 win over Kansas City drew 12.19 million viewers. That's the lowest ever for Game 1 of the World Series, and it's the fifth least watched World Series game in history. Uh, Only San Francisco-Texas Game 3 two years ago, St. Louis-Texas three years ago, uh, San Francisco, Detroit, San Francisco just keeps popping up on this list in 2010 and Tampa, Philadelphia in 2008. But all those were game threes. Wes, you said it. This it's it's a team from middle America and it's a Giants team on the West Coast that doesn't really move the needle. Is this a problem from baseball? And obviously it certainly doesn't help that game one was a blowout and potentially game two might be end up a blowout on the other side. Well, I mean, here's the problem. <clears throat> All sports fans say that they want the underdog to win. The underdog is a great story. Mm-hmm. But that said, you know what will be a really, really highly rated World Series right now, Edward? What's that? If you had the Yankees and the Dodgers. 
<laughs> yeah. Or or if you had the Red Sox playing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and if the Cubs were there. Yeah, I didn't see I didn't see Boston on that list. Well, no. Well, yeah, I said no. No Boston, no no New York. No. Nope. Um when it comes down to it, the underdog is a great story and this is this is this extends also to things like you know, the only thing that's immune to this is the NFL. Uh, actually, because, you know what? I actually think uh, I would also argue that the uh, the NCAA basketball tournament uh, can be immune to it, and actually sometimes is improved depending on which upsets are are happening. Well, now your problem even with the NCAA tournament, um, when when you get early in the tournament, yes, you want upsets. You love the story. But by the time you get late in the tournament, people want to see Duke. They want to see North Carolina. They want to see UCLA. They want to see Ohio State. They want to see, you know, the Florida Gator. They want the big schools at the end. Um, the Duke-Butler game was not an overly highly rated game. And you can argue that Duke held held that game in for them. Yeah. That they held the number for them. Um, even though Butler was Cinderella, we know that, um, you know, you look at the last few years in the NCAA tournament, you've gotten to Monday night and it's been, you know, this past year, especially, um, God, wasn't it, wasn't it UConn? Uh, UConn versus Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kentucky held your number. UConn's a good, a good name team, but you know, People, people still want to see the big boys play. I mean, if you're going to sit there and tell me that you're going to give me Duke, Kentucky for a national championship game, you have a much better chance of getting me to tune into that than telling me I'm going to get Butler and um, Michigan. I mean, I'm just uh, – or Butler and Syracuse. Even though, yes, Syracuse and Michigan, they are bigger name programs. But at the end of the day, people still want to see the big names. And that carry – other than the Super Bowl. Because the Super Bowl, the needle is not going to move one way or the other on the Super Bowl. Because with the Super Bowl, every every casual NFL fan is going to watch anyway. Right. And you're not going. You're not going to gain. You're not really going to gain that many extra viewers. Just watch it because you get so many people who watch for the commercials and just for the experience of watching the Super Bowl anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing the NFL hopes for is that um, they have a close game, so so people watch the whole thing. Right. That's all they're worried about. They don't care. I mean, they could care less. I mean, they could care less this year if it was Cincinnati versus Tampa Bay. Because everybody's still going to watch it, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, they could they could care less who's in the Super Bowl. Um, but baseball, baseball is one of those things, man. People like to see the big market teams. I, I mean, unless you're a baseball a a true baseball fan, I mean, I can I can just about guarantee you there are people who are casual sports fans who oh the World Series starting who's in it the Royals. I didn't even know they were in the playoffs. Yeah. And of course we watched them. I mean, they've been amazing in the playoffs. You know, we know that, but they are a very, you know, they are a very uh, regional 
They're a very, very regional team. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you the truth myself, and I, I consider myself to be, you know, I'm a baseball fan. Um, I have not been quite as mega fanish this year as in some years. Uh, thank you, Boston, being out of <laughs> April. But, um, I mean, if you had asked me going into the playoffs, you know, who plays for the Kansas City Royals, I could have told you um, James Shields, mm-hmm. the catcher Perez, and Eric Hosmer. That was about it. I mean, earlier in this game, I happened to see Billy Butler hit. I was like, oh, well, yeah, Billy Butler is still in Kansas City. Yeah. He? I, I mean, I, I could mean, have gotten a few more, but I mean, like, I just because of all the all I've heard about uh, Alex Gordon and all he's gone through with yeah. being a, a, a bust early and coming on late and stuff. But yeah, you're you're right. I I I I didn't know who the starting pitcher was for Kansas City tonight. I mean, I've heard him early in the postseason, but I don't know anything about him. No, I mean uh, San Francisco. You know a few more of those guys, but you know San Francisco by God because it seems like they've been here every year for the last five six yes. years. Um, but San Francisco is a good market, but it's not a, it's not a huge market. Right. Um, and you can look at that in the NFL. You can look at that in the NBA, you know, Golden State and the 49ers. Those are not massive markets. Um, so therefore they don't totally move the dial. And, you know, a few years ago you had the Giants, you had the novelty of the Giants being there. The novelty's off. I mean, this is third time in I think five years they've been there. Yes. So, I mean, the rose is off the bloom with that. You know, now you're tuning in to watch them just play baseball. Kansas City's interesting, but Kansas City does not move the meter. You know, you want to talk about a team with utility that would move the meter? Put the fucking Cubs in the World Series. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, oh, God. I mean, if you got the Cubs in, I, I swear, if you got the Cubs in, it would be like the Red Sox in 04, where oh, everyone yes. would tune in. I mean, everyone tuned in in 04, and everybody would tune in to see the Cubs just because, you know, there's so much background history on them. I mean, Kansas City, well, they haven't been to the they haven't been to the playoffs in 29 years. So, for <laughs> Kansas City, the only people who care about the Royals are from Kansas City. You know, where Cubs fans are everywhere. Red Sox fans are everywhere. You know, Yankee fans, Dodger fans are everywhere. You know, those are the ones that move the meter. I mean... I mean, when when you just mention when you just uttered the words Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, my stomach actually turned a little. Oh, yeah, that wasn't a fun World Series. Well, and still the worst one that I remember to this day that I refused to watch an inning of was um, was Houston and the White Sox. Oh God! Even even as somebody who likes some of those Houston players, oh that was yeah oh yeah that was. I gross. mean, Chris Burke was there. You know, Chris Burke, we know him around here because he broke East Carolina hearts when he was in college. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I mean, they had and they had Pettit and Clemens, and nobody wanted to watch it. Yeah. And, of course, for us, it sucked because it was after a year after the Red Sox had won, and, you know, there was obviously a big letdown because, you know, a lot of people were thinking, you know, Red Sox could go for two, and they lost out in the division series. Mm-hmm. But, um, you in baseball in baseball man you've got to have names in basketball it's a little different the nba you can get by because of the individual stars yes because you know oh well whatever hey we got lebron or we got kevin durant or you know we've got uh or you know the spurs in themselves i mean the spurs don't draw yeah that's true i mean they're they're no stars the spurs are more like the giants and the royals they just got really good players who play really well together that's cool. 
I want to see LeBron dunk the ball. <laughs> I want to see LeBron dropping threes from half court. You know, that's what people want to see. You know, so the NBA can usually get away with it just because most of the time they have a star player in the finals. Major League Baseball, I mean, who are your, who are your star players in Major League Baseball right now? Mike Trout out in the division series. Bryce Harper out in the division series. Clayton Kershaw out in the division series. Um, <laughs> David Ortiz obviously didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, I did hear somebody uh, opine the other day that uh, they think that Buster Posey should actually be the new face of Major League Baseball. But he's a catcher who – but here's the problem yeah, with him he being the mask. face. Yeah. There's a mask. There was a mask, and he plays for the Giants. Yeah. You know, and his what, – what are his highlight plays? You know, why – Mike Trout. Everybody loves Mike Trout because, my God, the guy's like – he's like freaking Superman. I mean, you watch him run around the outfield. He makes play after play. It's unbelievable. You know, he goes up. He hits 300. He bashes home runs. He steals bases. But he makes those plays in the outfield. Kershaw goes out. He strikes out a ton of people. Nobody can hit the guy. You know, or t- even Ortiz, who we obviously understand is very far past his prime, but people know and love Ortiz because he's a massive personality. Oh, yeah. You know, he hits the home runs. He's laughing. He's joking. And he plays in Boston. That also helps. Um, you know, those are your those are superstars. Those are superstars. Hey, Miguel Cabrera, you won the triple crown. If Miguel Cabrera walked into a store tomorrow and stood beside my dad, my dad would not have an idea who he was. <laughs> That's very, probably true. Of course, it's my dad. Unless it's Mickey Mantle, he's probably not going to figure out who it is anyway. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's no star power there like, like you know, a Jeter or even for whatever reason, Alex Rodriguez, something like that. There's there's just not that star power. And um, if those guys are not there, you know, unfortunately we're in a society now where names push ratings. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if you're going to watch anyone play, if you are not a soccer fan, but somebody says, hey, you need to watch this team play soccer, who have you heard of? Uh, Messi and Ronaldo and the guy Suarez who bit the guy, and some dude named Neymar. Okay, so you're going to watch Classico. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, you know, have you heard of Frank Lampard? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that's that's just sports in general, man. That's our society. Unless you're a unless you're a fan, a real fan, you got to have something to draw you to. You got to have something to draw you. And the draw is just not there with Kansas City and San Francisco. I'm having fun watching it right now as we do this. I mean, I'm cool with it. I like it. But, yeah, and here's Posey actually hitting as we speak. Um, yes. But just overall, that's that's just the deal, man. Man, I did not realize talking about Major League Baseball ratings would lead to this long of a conversation. <sighs> you're, you're hitting my sweet spot, man. Oh, I'm I'm a man who has reasons for everything. Yes, yes. Uh, and then I totally, then I totally blow my own reasons up. But still. <laughs> let's hit another sweet spot and let's move on to college football. Um, maybe a bit of a slower weekend. I think we might need it after the uh, Notre Dame Florida State game this past Saturday night. Uh, the only two ranked on ranked action games <laughs> are, uh, of course, in the the the. Premier League that is the SEC West as Ole Miss heads down to Baton Rouge to head 
to number 24 LSU, where the Ole Miss will be putting their undefeated record on the line. And over in the West Coast, it'll be USC heading to Utah in a 20 versus 19 match. That'll be at 10 o'clock. The rest, there are some good matchups out there, but really, um, really, those are the two marquee ones. Um, but Wes, much bigger news. Uh, beyond the game itself. He may be coming back. Oh, oh the, 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 the man who looks better in red than any other man alive. Uh, University of Georgia's officials will apply to the NCAA today for reinstatement of star running back and North Carolina native Todd Gurley, who has been suspended indefinitely from the team since October 9th for allegedly receiving money for signing autographs. In a statement... Very true. In a statement from the university, they say Todd has confirmed his desire to seek reinstatement, and the university fully supports Todd's request. The university hopes for and expects a prompt ruling by the NCAA so that Todd, his coaches, and teammates can adequately prepare for our next game. Oh, Wes, is our long national nightmare almost over? It should be. Um... And, yeah, I know we scoff at the NCAA making a timely thing, but if there's money on the line, which Todd Gurley could draw money, the NCAA will probably get something done quickly. Um, I I feel very good about this suddenly. Just the vibe I'm getting is very good. And uh, just so happens that that first game back would be the Florida Gators. Oh, well, that's not a big game at all. Suck on on that one, you floppy gator shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I love I love Florida. Uh, um, well, we've but, lost we've lost already two of our biggest states in terms of uh, listenership in California and Florida tonight. So thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, who am I made fun of? Uh, the Johnson, yeah, the Johnson, the Gators. All yeah. right, well, great. Hey, we still have New York. Even though I hate the damn Yankees. And there went New York. We still yeah, have Pennsylvania. Right. We still have Texas. God bless those guys. Um, we're not going to talk about the Longhorns so we can keep them here. So. Yeah. Uh, but looking at it, you know, I believe it, um, applying for the reinstatement, Georgia did a – they actually – and it, it definitely worked out since they won those games. They did a good thing with him by sending him out because at this point, I don't believe the NCAA would add any more punishment to him. And at this point, too, I mean, we're basically talking about $400. Yeah. Two games for 400 bucks. that, you know, in the spectrum of what the NCAA usually does, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, truly, probably could have gotten away with one game on that. Uh, but, you know, for Georgia, on the Georgia end, you know, those guys took care of business all all the praise in the world goes to the Georgia Bulldogs the last two weeks. They took care of business with all the distraction of Todd Gurley. Um, having to go on the road, you know, to, uh, you know, having to go on the road twice. Yes. I mean, man, and come out with wins and come out with big wins. Yeah. I mean, one a blowout and one that technically kind of was a blowout in yeah. Arkansas. Oh, yes. Um, that one just got looking better late on some late scores. But – those guys took care of business, and now you're going to add the most dynamic running back in the country back to you? Um, you know, right now, if you go and look at the uh, odds in Vegas, Georgia actually has the best odds of winning the SEC right now. Oh, yeah. 
And of course, if you really break that down and look at it, the reason is because the West is so tight, you can't really tell who's going to come out of there where Georgia technically should have a cakewalk to winning the East. Just about so it. therefore Georgia, Georgia has the best chance right now easily of making the SEC title game. So therefore, you know, they're your favorite to win it. But um, Georgia has a chance with Tiger Lee back, their last big game before the SEC title game, their last really tough one would be Auburn. Um, if they can run the table and get past Auburn and get to that SEC championship game with one loss, they will be playing for a chance to get into the college football playoff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, how, you know, what sweeter – what sweeter story could it be for a Todd Gurley fan and a Georgia fan than, you know, screw you NCAA, you know, we did the right, Hey, we did the right thing and it's going to work out for us or, and there's a chance for it to work out for us still. Um, and for Todd Gurley, I don't think there could be any, any sweeter of an ending for Gurley. So, uh, you know, hopefully that hopefully everything goes right. Okay, uh, the dogs are off this Saturday. Yes. So you know, hopefully they'll get everything straight, and uh, November first we'll see uh, touchdown Todd back in red. Oh, I can't wait! It's going to be just fantastic, and the biggest cocktail party in the South is going to be jumping, and hopefully Todd Gurley will be a massive part of that. And if he's playing, I can guarantee you he will be. All right, Wes, that is our sports for the week. Let us hit the zeitgeist where we still talk a little bit about sports. Um, let's start off with a bit of a better story and try to ease into the worst stuff. Uh, Portland Timbers <laughs> of NMLS, uh, a very, very good program. They do things the right way over there in Portland. They, they had some big successes last year. Uh, unfortunately, they're going to miss the playoffs this year in NMLS. Uh, they just got knocked out uh, by Honduras side in the CONCACAF Champions League. Very concacaf -y. And um, the uh, Timbers Army was not very happy about it. Uh, the Timbers Army, of course, the support group of the Portland Timbers. Uh, they sent out tweets such as, If you weren't mad about this season before today, get mad now. It's time to start asking questions as to why this failure happened. Uh, priorities are funny. Champions League knockout stage was in grasp. MS, MLS playoffs are microscopic. Priorities need to be realistic. Um, whew. Timbers owner Murad Paulson, then he wasn't very happy about that. And uh, he sent, he, he said the magic words. He, he told in a tweet that has now been deleted for that supporters group to shut the fuck up. I, I, <laughs> A man after a man after my own heart. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and of course, after sleeping on it, he came back and 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 had a much more level-headed thought. Uh, Paulson says on Twitter, plenty of valid criticism and frustration during a season with adversity and setbacks. That's sports and that's soccer. But to suggest we didn't care about and prioritize the Champions League is just flat out wrong. Uh, lineup reflected the priority of the game, especially on a short week with another big game looming. Uh you know, I, I enjoy Twitter, Wes. We enjoy the Twitter. We're big on the Twitter, you and I. Um, I, I just, I, I like seeing some candor on Twitter. I like groups being able to interact with ownership on Twitter. But if you're Merritt Paulson, 
You you can't say you can't say shut the fuck up to your your whole supporting staff. You just can't do it. No, that was dumb. That's just that's just dumb. Um, I mean, because fans, you know what? They pay their money to go to the matches. They pay their money to you know they they support your team. They buy the merch. Um, I mean, they're the lifeblood. They are they are the lifeblood of your entire program, especially in M- of MLS. Your entire, of your entire franchise. I mean, yeah, especially in MLS. Like you say, you know, it's not like baseball where you know fans don't show up, but you still get like forty million dollars every year just in revenue sharing. Oh yeah, it's not like that. Um, you need these people. And if, you know, just because you're getting a little bit of criticism, you can't take it and you want to tell them to shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, you're you're asking to alienate the very people that keep you uh, above water. It's a very, very disturbing story. And I, I got to say, again, I, I like I like that there can be that dialogue between your major supporting group and ownership. That's actually very cool. And is another reason why so many people, uh, so many general managers and other top level organizational people are looking at how the Portland Timbers are run in terms of fan experience and trying to emulate that with other teams and in other sports even. But you, you just, you gotta be smarter. It's the internet it's it's everything is recorded, man. You you can't do that. No. <laughs> um, I do. I really like that idea of the whole open dialogue, the back and forth. You know, if you want to get angry, you can sit there and say, you know, you know, I really I disagree with you. I think what you're saying is completely wrong. I think you're going completely the wrong way. This wasn't a great year. We, as the Portland Timbers, you know, we understand that. And our goal, our one and only goal is to, you know, try to fix this and, you know, make next year a year where we bounce back and we kick ass and take names. You know, and Ed, do, the, the job that I have, the day job I have, Ed, yes. you know, not not my Facebook job, which is star at WHIG TV. Which you are. Star of the All New Sports Show. Um, but my day job, Ed, I, I am a customer service person. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we, we laugh about it at work from time to time, Ed. I have to eat crow for things that I did not do wrong. <laughs> but sometimes you just, you know, you just have to grin and bear it and say, you know what? We'll, we'll take what you said and we, we will try to do better. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not the only one who has to do that. Yep. I sat there and told one of my customers, well, you can just shut the fuck up. Then Wes can go look for another fucking job. <laughs> so I guess it's a little different when you own the franchise, but um, you, uh, you're, you're, only, you're only hurting yourself is the thing. You're only hurting yourself doing that. In fairness, at least he didn't tweet anything racist. This time. Yes. This time. And, I, and I didn't say the R word on a... Uh, and he, yeah, he didn't say the R word on TV. Yeah, so. yeah, let's not do that here either. Even even though we we are a little looser with the language on the pod, we're we're not going to do that here unless we're actually going to talk about it. You know, maybe maybe Jameis Winston will pop up again somehow. Um, yeah, I'm sure. 
He's still got time to screw something up. Um, we're now going to touch on something that's, you know, it's, it's not totally sports related. Um, there is a little bit of a sports connection and just, you know, with the national hockey league, um, our neighbors to the North, uh, in Canada, the, uh, town of Ottawa over in Quebec. Um, unfortunately they, uh, they had some issues with a, a, a gunman who actually ended up killing a, um, a, someone, a soldier, from Canada at their country's war memorial. Uh, the shooter was eventually shot dead at Parliament after the city was on lockdown for close to 10 hours. And, you know, this is this is a country that simply has not dealt with terrorism that much. It has come out that this uh, the gunman uh, potentially may have been a recent convert of Islam um, and may, may have gone to the radical side of it. And it's just very... It's very depressing. Um, you know, we saw it in Pittsburgh tonight, uh, right before the Penguins game started. Uh, there was a playing of O Canada, the Canadian National Anthem, um, which doesn't usually happen when, the, when a hockey game is between two American teams, as it was tonight in Pittsburgh. But they still did the Canadian National Anthem. Everybody saying it was a great sight. Um, but just really really unfortunate to hear anytime you know we we've had to deal with it in the united states uh we've had school shootings we've had shootings in movie theaters we've had we've had tragedies like this um we don't hear it too much from canada um but it doesn't matter these are these are other people and it's it's very unfortunate and it's very sad to hear about this um and usually you know i'm i'm the first person who loves a good canada joke oh yes but this is by far, you know, no laughing matter. No. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do not have much information on this myself. This happened while I was at work today. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've come home and dealt with two kids all night. Trust, we did not watch the news. Yeah, um, I understand. So I don't have a lot of insight, but I mean, all I can give is just, you know, thoughts of us here at the Elmwood Sports Show definitely going out to those people um, and the tragedy. Um, and... <sighs> You know, it's always, you know, Canada's always that country that we sit there and say, you know, they're so polite. It's very clean. You know, nothing happens in Canada. Canada's a really boring place. But, folks, you know, something like that terrorism, which I call that a terrorist attack. It, it was. Um, it's very terrible. It, it can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere at any time at any place. And, uh, yeah, just... <sighs> <clears throat> I don't know. Just yeah, be... Beware, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Three three shooting incidents over the past few days uh, at three different places in Ottawa. Very just, you know, as as Wes said, I think we'll put our our thoughts and prayers are with everybody up in Canada right now. And you know, you know, you you mentioned it. We a running joke on the All New Sports Show season two was that I actually was from Canada. Uh, not that it was ex- ever explicitly stated, but it was even mentioned. In fact, we actually missed a chance a couple weeks ago to do another uh, Canadian Thanksgiving gag. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but, but really, I mean, just, you know, it's, it, it's heart, it's heart wrenching. Uh, the soldier who was killed was only 24 years old. Um, and, you know, these, these are people who, you know, give their lives to go and fight terrorism overseas. They shouldn't have to be worrying about that when they're, they're in their own country. And, and that's very sad. So, 
yeah, thoughts and prayers. And and Canada, just stay strong. And, you know, the United States, we, we like to joke. We like, we like to treat you sometimes like our little kid brother. But, man, you know, you need, you need something. We'll, we'll be there for you. All right, yep. Wes. Let's let's talk about something slightly happier. The uh, the UNC academic report's been released. This is <laughs> this is something you can joke about to your heart's content. Let, let me bring up my favorite quote of the day that I have seen written. Um, disclaimer: This is from an NC State fan. Oh yeah. Did, did, and, did uh, were they shooting their BB guns when they said this? You know, I think they even pulled out the good old slingshots with this. Um, trying to figure out exactly where this came from. But um, Coach Butch Davis came to Chapel Hill with the expectation that he would find a strong infrastructure for maintaining high academic standards among the players. According to Davis, he quickly realized that there was lots of talk about the importance of academics without anything to back up that talk. He found Chapel Hill's attitude towards student-athlete academics to be like an Easter egg, beautiful and impressive to the outside, but without much life inside. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of says it. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Uh, Of course, this is a report that has just come out today uh, with everything going on with the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and the academics department uh, potentially giving easy classes to athletes on uh, campus. Uh, well, the report commission uh, today comes out that says uh, academic advisors steered athletes into sham classes over an 18-year period, but does not directly implicate coaches or athletic administrators in the scheme. Uh, it says academic advisors and the athletic department colluded with a manager in the African and Afro-American studies department for student athletes to take classes to boost their GPAs and keep them eligible in their respective sports. The classes in place from 1993 to 2011 were overseen by Debbie Crowder, the longtime manager in the African and Afro-American studies department and later by the department chairman. Uh, they allowed a student to write a paper of at least 10 pages rather than attend lectures or meet with professors. The papers were created by Crowder, who was not a professor. They typically earned an A or B plus grade. Man, I I wish I had played sports at Carolina, eh? Well, and not to say that everywhere doesn't have their sham classes, but ju- just a few things. You know, of course, we're right here, University of North Carolina, very close, very prominent in our area. Um, of course, you went there. I did. Um, I, just a couple quick things to say. One of my best friends growing up, his dad was a, his dad's a University of North Carolina graduate. And, uh, he said that he got signed up for Portuguese, you know, had to take a foreign language and had to take Portuguese when he went to University of North Carolina. This is back in the uh, late 1960s. He said, uh, when the class started and he noticed that it was all football players, he knew he would be fine. <laughs> yes. This was like 1968. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just uh, one one name just to sum everything up that obviously the uh, and, and you know the one that really gets the hard hit is the African American studies. Yep. One word. Uh, Julius Peppers has a degree. That that is that is true. I'm I'm just, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Vince Carter has a degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, just. From a from a more personal standpoint, Julius Peppers, a uh, you know Southern Nash graduate, one of our schools that we cover on the All New Sports Show, 
Um, good friend of mine went to high school with Julius Peppers, had a class with him, and said that she really thought that Julius Peppers could not read in the 12th grade. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and somehow he got an A in this advanced uh, English class without really being able to read or write. So <laughs> Fun times. <sighs> yeah, good times, but uh, but has a, has a degree from, uh, at this point, I guess we say it in air quotes, and fine upstanding university in the University of North Carolina. <laughs> True. Um, you mentioned it, though. Do you think that this this sort of thing, maybe not to this extent, but that this is happening very prevalently at many other colleges or, you know, and, and does this really, does this really change anything at this point? Like, like, especially, you know, you go over the first sentence that does not directly implicate coaches or athletic administrators in the scheme. Well, and here, here's the thing with the university of North Carolina, <clears throat> it's kind of like that quote that I read you to start this whole thing. The difference in North Carolina and Kentucky, it kind of looks like at this point, is that Kentucky has come out and said, you know, fuck it, we do what we do. You know, we're here to win games. Mm -hmm. Carolina has always, Carolina has has always kind of held themselves to this this so-called standard that they do things, and this is a quote, the Carolina way. Yep. And they do it in a, an attitude where we're better than you. We do things right. You do things wrong. We're just, we're better people than you. And that is the attitude that prevails. And that is why people are lining up at the door to throw rocks at North Carolina right now. Because for years, the University of North Carolina held themselves that they, they, did, the, they did everything the right way. And state, you didn't do it the right way. And uh, you know, Virginia, you didn't do it the right way. And South Carolina, you didn't do it the right way. Clemson, you didn't do it the right way. We did. And now it's just now it's coming out. It's finally coming out that uh, you know, no, you didn't. You you were doing the same crap everybody else did. It's just you were you were exceptionally good at hiding it. Yes, yes, they were. It seems. Um, the only way this will be enjoyable is if it eventually comes out that Mike Fox was somehow the mastermind of everything. <laughs> I'd be, I, I hate Mike Fox so much. It, it would just be the best thing ever. Against our Fox. Um, I, I will say this. The one person who I hope's reputation is not besmirched by this is actually Dean Smith, which, yeah, um, true. Which is a guy who most Carolina haters, you know, absolutely despise. And I'm not a Carolina fan, but I always have been a big Dean Smith fan, just of him as a person. Of course, here late in his life, you know, um, you know the health problems he's had dealing with Alzheimer's. I would just, I would hate to see something come back on him so much. Let's just blame Matt Darty. Okay, and uh, and of course for our. Uh... Our, our, our fans who listen to this pod more for the soccer. Uh, we are not talking about English footballer Steve Smith or Dean Smith, who is now in League One. No, we are talking about University of North Carolina basketball coach Dean Smith. And just, just to your point a little bit, he did leave the school in 1997. Yeah. That, was, that was when he finished coaching. And this did start in 1993. So, but I would 
I would imagine if that's when those started, I, I would I would doubt he would have had much to do with that. Um, given so. given given the time period it was in, I I just I can't see it happening that much. Well, and I'll I'll say this, you know, and I don't know if this is maybe nostalgia looking back on it because of course we were younger then, but it really seemed like later in Dean Smith's career. Uh, you know, kind of after, of course, North Carolina won the national title in 1993. Mm-hmm. After that, didn't they kind of seem to start getting a different breed of athlete? Um, I just kind of that to you. You can make that argument. With the stack losses, you know, because I, I, I definitely remember, of course, you know, family grew up, had a lot of Carolina fans in the family. Everyone hated Rasheed Wallace. Yes. And they hated him because they said, this is not a guy that we have ever recruited before. And since, it, you know, there weren't that many players coming through that Carolina fans could not stand their own players. But if you really think over about the last 20 years, you know, um, Rasheed Wallace, they didn't like him. You know, McCants, they didn't like him. Yes. <laughs> Joe Forte, they didn't really oh, like Joe him. Forte. You know, they're, they're just, there've been a lot of guys who've come through who seem kind of like sketchy guys. And, you know, Carolina fans, you didn't really like them. You were happy when they were dropping 30 for you in a game. But other than that, you didn't really have a lot of use for them. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like Carolina got into the, really the arms race. Yeah. And um, maybe just some things changed around there. Yeah. It's, I, I think that's just a product of, of, of viewing sports in college as a business and, I think you said they were just better at holding holding back the wolves for just a little bit longer than everybody else. Um, but of course, we'll and they weren't quite as blatant as Kentucky. So yes, and just remember, if you sign autographs as a student, though, well, oof, oof, that's not good. That's 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 not good. <laughs> so remember, oh, it's better to starve than to charge. So. Exactly. So we'll, of course, be keeping an eye on that, and we'll be bringing you updates as they come out and see what kind of penalties will be uh, levied against UNC, if any at all. Um, let's quickly do our dumb NFL story of the week, because we always have to have one. And, Wes, this one is pretty dumb. Uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons Twitter feed uh, put out a picture of their travel plans. Of course, they will be heading to London. They're one of the three games this year that will be played in London. Um, and it turns out that uh, the Atlanta Falcons Twitter feed kind of thinks that they're actually going to Spain. Oh dear! I, I there the picture came up. It showed uh, their travel plans and which. Um, uh, I'm gonna actually pull it up here really quick because I actually don't have the picture up to to talk about it. But I did see it earlier today. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's the picture. It has their sort of travel itinerary, and um, it's it's not very good. Just looking at the picture here, if I can pull it up on Twitter. Yep, uh, Atlanta to Baltimore, five hundred and seventy-seven miles, and yeah, they got Baltimore about right. And then Baltimore to London, three thousand six hundred forty-one miles, and then London back to Atlanta. Um, which hey, I'm not sure why they can't just go London straight to Atlanta. Maybe they're unless they're playing a game in Baltimore in between, but either way, yeah, they. I mean, they just completely, completely. I mean, they maybe they, they might be landing somewhere near Barcelona. I'm not sure if they're going to take on Messi and Neymar. 
Uh, we all know Neymar's back probably can't handle American football at this point. And, and, and the fact he only weighs about 140 pounds. So. Yeah, and uh, although I would, I would love to see, uh, I would love to see Luis Suarez try to bite Matt Ryan. I think that'd be fan. It'd be, it'd be hard to try to bite through the pads. So. Oh no, he'd he'd rip off his helmet and then rip his jersey on the shoulder pad and bite down and then fall over and 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 claim he was pushed into him. I was about to say, you know, Lewis has an affinity for the shoulder meat, so oh. you know it's tough to get to from there. But. Oh, it's it, Matt Ryan's not stringy like Chiellini, not that Italian. Ugh, who wants that? Ryan weighs like two forty, man. You know he's got he's got to have a little bit of marbling in there. There, that's uh, that's some that's some good old Atlanta barbecue right there. Um, so yeah, that's your dumb NFL story of the day. Of the week, so so apparently whoever made the itinerary uh, must have been a football player at North Carolina. Possibly, maybe it was Julius Peppers. He's moonlighting it during after his day job playing for Green Bay by uh, running the Atlanta Falcons Twitter feed. <laughs> geography, it, geography, not his strong suit. All right, Wes, let's do the watch. What are you watching this past week, or what are you watching in the week ahead? Uh, what am I watching? Uh, the good old standbys, uh, Tosh.0, of course. You can never go wrong with Tosh. Uh, have you watched Brickleberry yet, Ed? What's that? Brickleberry. Just don't don't worry about it. You don't want to watch Brickleberry. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the League, another good week of the League. Uh, taped another one tonight. Can't wait to watch it. Um, Sons of Anarchy continues to leave us in shock and awe every week. Uh, this week it ended with one of the Sons of Anarchy having his eye cut out, and the eye was sent to uh, Jax Teller in a box. That's not good. To, as, a, as a message being sent. Um, my new show that started a couple weeks ago, um, me and most of the women in America, we are fans of American Horror Story Freak Show. Why wouldn't we love some good freaks? Oh, um, episode one. Kind of, uh, I, I had to decide that I want to come back to it after episode one. I've heard I mixed reviews. Uh, I said, let's get another episode. Episode two, it started to blow me away nicely. Oh, good. So uh, I am I am in at this point. Episode three, actually taping right now as we speak. Um, so I will, I will be waiting upon bated breath maybe tomorrow night to get hold of that one. Um, I, I, episode two started to work for me, so um, we'll see how that goes. But those are what I'm watching this week. Uh, of course, the World Series. Oh, uh, of course, of course, as as we all should be. Um, I we, was what we we have to help those ratings. <laughs> yes, uh, I of course watched uh, as I was flipping back and forth from the World Series of Game One. Of course, uh, I watched Agents of Shield on Tuesday night, which is just getting better and better every week. Uh, as I mentioned to you last week, um, we, we we introduced Bobby Morse, uh, also known as uh, the Mockingjay. She is fantastic, and she's played by Adrian Palicki, uh, who in most of the pictures I saw, you may have remember her, Wes, as a blonde. But no, oh. she comes to us on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a dark-haired goddess. Well, oh. she, was, uh, she, she did have dark hair in the, um, oh, the second G.I. Joe movie, the one with the rock. Ah. She had dark on that, and she looked fantastic. Oh, Adrian Palicki is is coming on to Shield strong and kicking some major ass as Mockingjay. Speaking, speaking of coming strong, go ahead. Anyway, 
Um, we are gonna. It's it's gonna be fantastic. And next Tuesday night on next Tuesday night's of, uh, episode of Agents of Shield, uh, you will get if you haven't seen the leak already. Damn you, Hydra! Uh, you can catch the uh, television debut of the new uh, Avengers Two Age of Ultron trailer. Wes, I must say, I felt like I had been bitten by a Brazilian wandering spider. That's how big the thickening was. Um, I'm not a huge comic book guy, but I was a big Avengers fan. So I will definitely be all in on the second one. I cannot wait. Age of Ultron, it's it's bringing in James Spader as as the new bad guy. And oh, oh I have never heard songs from Pinocchio done more creepily than I did in that trailer. Oh, it's so glorious. So again, check it out next week. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 9 o'clock. Tuesday night on ABC, you can get your first look at the new H. Voltron uh, trailer if you haven't seen it anywhere else before then. All right, Wes, let's do it. I saw I saw one of the Bella twins when I was working out today on the uh, the uh, the show they're on with the uh, the things. Speaking of speaking of the thickening, uh, mm. uh, let's get so raw. Let's do it. Let's do it quick because we are uh, quickly running out of time. Producer Dez is glaring at me through the glass. And um, well, you know, he gave us some extra time when you referenced uh, the Ohio State as a as a powerhouse basketball school. Exactly. That's the only reason yet that he did not flip the switch on us. Um, getting down to Raw, it was the go home Raw show this week. Hell in a Cell pay per view coming up Sunday night, eight o'clock on the WWE Network, which you can get for the low, low price <laughs> of only $9.99. Shilling. So definitely, folks, you definitely want to get that. Um, check out Hell in a Cell. Why do we want to check out Hell in a Cell? Right now, we want to see two matches. We want to see, for I believe the 10th time in pay-per-view history, John Cena versus Randy Orton. But, folks, if, right now, I'm really interested in that because there is a change coming in Randy Orton. And the end of Raw on Monday night, he was uh, he got curb stomped by Seth Rollins, who was supposed to be his partner, his buddy, his pal. Oh, no. Uh, he was dropped in the middle of the ring on uh, Monday night. So there is a big change coming there with uh, Mr. Orton. And, of course, uh, for all you tech-savvy people, all you uh, Twitter people, uh, all you Vine people, kind of the hottest thing right now in all the Vines <laughs> is uh, Randy Orton RKOing everybody. Yes. You know, uh, old videos taken with uh, Randy Orton inserted RKOing people when they fall down and nearly die. So why wouldn't you? I liked when uh, I liked the one where uh, he RKOs Yaziel Puig. Exactly. Uh, well, there was uh, he in one he RKO'd Yaziel Puig, and then uh, in another one, Shawn Michaels' sweet chin music kicked Yaziel Puig in the face. So good times all around. So Randy Orton right now, he's he's hot. He's really hot right now on the internet. So you definitely want to check him out. And then, of course, Ed, finally, the uh, you know, because you know that the date of June 2nd, 2014, is always burned into my skull for life, the day that Seth Rollins <sighs> took a steel chair and drilled Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose and broke up my beloved shield. Uh, finally, we will get... Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Oh my. And they will be locked inside Hell in a Cell 
where Seth Rollins cannot escape. Oh, narrative. And uh, much like they said in Tombstone, it's not vengeance he ha- he's after. It's a reckoning. Oh. oh. And Dean Ambrose is out for a reckoning Sunday night. I am excited. Thank God we don't have to do anything for the All New Sports Show this Sunday night, eh? No. No. So uh, be ready, Ed. I know you're ready to pay your $9.99 and jump on board. Uh, And, of course, we just have a little thing to announce. WWE Live coming to Greenville, North Carolina, December 7th, folks. I am efforting to take Ed to his first ever wrestling show. Yep. Um, Just so so I can buy him a Dean Ambrose T-shirt that says Unstable on it. And uh, buy him a corn dog and just let him go crazy. And, and so I can I can endeavor to try to sneak in a big sign that says "Bring back Benoit." If you can get it in, you can hold it up. It will be confiscated eventually. Yes, but that is definitely the place to break out your "Bring back Benoit" sign. Yes, yes. Well, on a side se- on a separate side note, Ed, the other night, uh, uh, just as a family, we were sitting around and just flipped on an old Royal Rumble just to watch something for oh, about God. thirty minutes. Um. And the boy, the boy got his first ever look at Chris Benoit and said, oh, man, who's he? He's cool. Uh, so <laughs> then I had to explain how he was not cool. Um, even though he did some cool things, I had to explain he's not cool. He actually murdered his wife and child before killing himself. <laughs> so I, I had to give that story to my nine-year-old. That was fun. Oh, this, your, your boy has been through so much this past year. He's, he's had the dismantling of the shield. He's had the Bella Twins going down, and now he has to learn the, the sad tale of Chris Benoit. This guy who he thinks is really cool. <laughs> you know what, though? It's better to go ahead and stomp it now than let admiration for him grow, and then he searches for it on his tablet one day, and he's like, and he sees all these horrible things. Exactly. So, uh... Oh, but that is so raw for the week, folks. We'll be back next week. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the results of Hell in a Cell and uh, where we go heading towards Survivor Series, which is one of the big four, which uh, is always traditionally weekend around Thanksgiving. Oh, cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. And that will just about do it for another fantastic episode of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. Of course, Wes, producer Des is feverishly telling me we didn't do this at the start so we might want to do it now let's put ourselves over on social media we're Absolutely. of course as a collective i'm at, uh, at west bradshaw 21 i'm sorry i caught now you were trying to say something go ahead it's okay he is at, at west bradshaw 21 as he said i am at edward green as a collective we are at all new sport show on facebook you can find us at facebook.com slash all new sports show we are on Instagram. Check out all our pictures there. Instagram.com slash all new sports show. You can get us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the all new sports show. So many great videos there. Email us all new sports show at gmail.com. And you can plain old mail us at 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And of course, many thanks to our podcast hosts. Of course, Podbean.com putting out our uh, all our files. They do a great job of hosting our stuff, and you can of course listen to it there. You can also listen to us on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes Music Store, search for All New Sports Show. You will find the podcast there. And of course, we are also on Stitcher Radio. One of the big thanks to Stitcher Radio, always tweeting out when we put up a new episode. Thanks, guys, for that. 
Of course, you can check us out on Sunday nights, uh, usually at 8 o'clock. This week it'll be at 7 because it's Wesleyan football. It's like the international break of our world, Wes. It is, except, except uh, we make more money when we do this. So. <laughs> I actually make money when we do this. Yeah, so you actually get paid and I get paid more. So, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, we, we've accepted it by now. This is game four or five for us this year. Thank God. You know, at first, you, you remember back in uh, in August when I was all, no, I'm not doing it because this, de- this defeats the purpose and the spirit of the all-new sports show, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, we're going to pay you more. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's roll. <laughs> I'm totally down. Oh, and I don't have to leave on Sunday night. Oh, I'm totally down for this. Can we do one every week? Yeah, there you go. Well, I wouldn't mind if we could do it maybe just like, I don't know. I kind of liked doing it on <laughs> Thursday night. I think that's when we need to do it. We just need to do it on Thursday nights. I, can, I don't think I can live with it. Yeah, that'd be fine because I don't, I don't like getting up at 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning after doing a football game the previous night to go do it. Uh, so we'll, 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 talk, we'll, talk to, we'll talk to Ricky this week about uh, the scheduling next year and tell her what we need to happen. So There you go. As we leave you here on this episode of the All-New Sports Show, we can officially say it is Royals 1, Giants 1 in the World Series as the series shifts to San Francisco. Or maybe they'll get some better ratings. Who knows? Uh, but for producer Dez, that was Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Anything to say before we go, Wes? Um, suck it, Gators. Yeah, he doesn't like Gators. And uh, so go Todd Gurley. You're going to be back, and we're going to be loving it. But thank you again for listening to this podcast. We will catch you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. And enjoy the Premier League, because next week Todd Gurley is coming for ya. All for America. All for America. And good night, Canada. Stay strong. <laughs>